Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode, recorded live at our recent Expert Empires Max Out event, I deep dive our strategic planning process. Enjoy the episode. In this session, um, I'm going to share with you how to create a strategic plan so that you've got clarity, certainty, confidence in knowing exactly what you need to do and when to do it. So I first discovered this process in September 2014. And at that point, the best way to describe my business was chaos and confusion. I'll explain what I mean by that. So th this was actually, remember I said earlier that Adam started working with me and we, we upgraded from the spare bedroom to the shed. This was the shed. And you can see actually on the far right, um, you can actually see Adam in the corner next to the door with his coat hang up behind him. Um, and Liz, who was um, my PA, my assistant at the time. Um, so we had this little, little team, me and two other people, um, and here was the problem. The problem was I was always very good at sales and marketing. That was always my skill. That was always my talent. There was never a problem with making sales. The problem was that I didn't have a plan. First of all, I didn't have any long-term vision or plan at all. My, my natural style is very short-term thinking. I'm curious, actually, raise your hand if your natural style is short term, like you see this week and you can get shit done fast, make things happen, but you're not so good at the long term planning bit. Raise your hand if that's you. Really good at short term getting shit done, no good at the long term. And on the flip, who's, who's really good at like long term thinking and vision? By the way, these are most likely the people that invest in long term assets like property, for example. Um, raise your hand if you're a long-term planner, long-term thinker, right? So I was then, in 2014, very much short-term, and I've had to kind of train myself to be longer-term. But the business was essentially chaos and confusion. Here was my traditional pattern of behavior. I was like going to every seminar, workshop, live event I could possibly find. I was spending time in the US. I'd normally go to the US probably five or six times a year. I'd go to everything I could in the UK. I was um, watching lots of videos on YouTube, learning, learning like a sponge. The problem was I'd walk into the shed, the office, most weeks, and I'd be like, guess what, team? I've had this idea. It's going to be amazing. Drop everything. Here's what's going to work. Here's what's going to make the biggest difference. Let's do it. And they're like, fucking hell. Like, Nick, it was only last week that you had another crazy harebrained idea. We haven't even finished on that one yet. Who can relate to this pattern of behavior? Who's, I'm sure nobody in here does this. But other people you know, you can, relate, you, you can relate to this pattern of behavior. Raise your hand if you can relate to this pattern of behavior, right? 
So there was, there was a lack of long-term vision. There was no plan. There was no certainty for my team. Um, and frankly, I'm, I'm still staggered that Adam's still here, quite frankly, um, and that Liz has worked with us in many different forms over many years, started in that role, and that's evolved and changed. So really, it's by chance. It was by fluke. It was really because I was good at sales and marketing that I managed to get the business to phase two. So just to recap, I was, we were probably at about 250, 300,000 a year in revenue, but I got stuck there for a couple of years. So probably 2012, 2013 and 14, we didn't really grow. I hit a ceiling and what I didn't realize at the time was the reason that I hit that ceiling was the lack of a strategic plan. So my intention in this session is to explain how I went from chaos, confusion, overwhelm, all of that stuff to, in a relatively short space of time, total clarity, total confidence, clear vision, clear strategy, clear plan, team thriving, massive results. So um, what actually happened was in September 2014, I heard about a three-day workshop that was taking place in, uh, well, it was actually in, where the hell is it? Phoenix, Arizona. Um, called Elite Forum, and, and it was actually a three-day workshop being hosted and run by the founders of Keep, our headline sponsor, formerly known as Infusionsoft. So these guys have taken or had taken a business in 10 years from literally, they started it in their garage, three guys together, and grew it to $100 million a year in revenue, four or 500 employees, like that stuff doesn't happen by accident. Um, and the, the theme of this three-day workshop called Elite Forum was to learn how to take your already successful business and scale it to seven, eight figures. And I was like, yes, I'll have a bit of that. Actually, is it okay if I share a secret with you? The workshop was designed for seven-figure businesses that wanted to get to eight figures I was not a seven-figure business. I was at like 300,000 a year. I went, well, if I can convert that into dollars <laughs> on the best exchange rate that's ever been in history, I'm nearly there. Anyway, so I managed to wing my way in. And, uh, and yeah, so over these three days, what I learned was, no, interestingly, nothing to do with sales and marketing. I didn't really need that. Of course, there's always things to know and learn, but really what I needed was how do you operate a business to grow it and scale it? Um, in other words, how do you get um, a strategic plan in place? And so um, when I left that three days, I came back and implemented everything I'd learned. And this, it sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud even now. But that was September 2014. In the final three months of that year, October, November, December, we did more revenue than we had in the previous 12 months combined. And the following year did seven figures for the first time ever. So after three years of like hitting a ceiling, struggle, chaos and confusion, literally within a few months, everything changed. Total clarity, total confidence. So I guess here's how we did it. Um, and as I've just alluded to, thanks to this strategic planning process that I'm going to share with you now. I've never shared this before, by the way, at an Expert Empires event for the first time. Since 2015, I have, we have, as I said, 
chaos and confusion becomes clarity and confidence. I started two new businesses um, that now generate multi-seven figures in annual revenue. Could never have done that. Um, those of you that, that operate and run multiple businesses, raise your hand if you've got more than one business that you run and operate. Keep your hand in the air. I mean, just look around the room. Like, that is quite a high percentage of nutters, quite frankly, <laughs> that, that, like, running one business is hard enough. It takes a special kind of nutter to want to do more than one. But good on you. It's tough, though, unless you've got structure in place. So what I'm going to give you in this session is the structure. Um, we've built our team from, you know, two people and me in 2013, 2014 to 22 people now that have absolute certainty as to what the vision is, what the key priorities are, what their role requires so that they can execute. Um, and we actually increased our profit during the pandemic. Now, look, for context, we're an events business. The pandemic was bad for most. It was particularly bad for a company that's an events business because we couldn't run any events anymore. But thanks to this strategic planning process, we actually found ways to still move towards our ultimate vision to prioritize. We had to switch and change things up, but we managed to prioritize and increase our profit, albeit there was a slight reduction in revenue, but overall profit increased during the pandemic and um, acquired two businesses in that time period as well. Soon to be three, just about to finish that acquisition, that partnership, which I'm really, really excited about as well. So hopefully that might, the reason I share that with you is that's a lot for one person to be having to handle. And if you're running multiple businesses and you've got lots of ideas, this process will help you get certainty and clarity and structure in your business. By the way, raise your hand if you know that the, one of the things that you're lacking most in your business right now is some form of structure. Raise your hand if you know that's a big gap for you. Keep your hands in the air and just look around the room. This is, this is interesting. Like that is a big percentage of the room. Um, and this is what I call the typical entrepreneur's syndrome. Like entrepreneurs generally don't do so well with structure. Generally, your typical structure person is an employee. So by definition, the entrepreneur is probably anti-structure. The problem with that is it can get you so far. Energy, enthusiasm, creativity, being good at sales, the things that I was good at, gets you so far, but it won't get you to your ultimate vision. So here's how it works. Here's how this strategic planning process that I learned in 2014, I've adapted it and put my own spin on it. Here's how it works. So there are three key parts to, for me, um, having a structure in your business um, really is broken down into three things. The strategic planning process as a whole. The first is vision. So the vision is like the big picture, the long term, the dream, the vision. And whenever I ask the following question, I invariably get a yes from most people. Raise your hand if you've got clarity of your vision. Raise your hand. Invariably, that's the answer. Then when I explain what clarity of vision looked like or looks like, people go, oh, I thought I had 
clarity of vision. And I was the same, by the way. So I'm going, to deep, I'm going to dive into this. We're going to kind of workshop this and deep dive it, and, and I'll give you the key elements that contribute to vision. The second part of having a well-formed strategic plan, of having the structure that you crave in your business, is then strategy. So strategy is like the next level of detail down. Strategy is what are your key areas of focus. Vision is like what's the long-term plan. Strategy is what's the kind of mid-term, how are we going to go about that in the next three months, six months, 12 months. And then tactics is the smallest level of detail. So just like I said earlier, um, some of you are good at big picture. Some of you are better at detail. Um, some of you are probably more naturally inclined to be vision focused. And some of you are more naturally inclined to be tactics focused. What I've noticed, having worked with thousands of people in this industry and in my 13 years of experience is that the, the, the bit that's missing for most people is actually the middle one. It's strategy. Because our natural tendency is to be one or the other. And you've probably got a sense of your natural tendency, whether you're really good at big picture vision or better at short-term tactics implementation. What I find is rare is the ability to do all three. I had to train myself. I had to learn to do all three. I was always pretty good at two and three, but not so good at number one. And of course, there'll be different members of this audience who have different tendencies or preferences. The, the way that I like to explain this, um, I'm, a, I'm a big football fan. And I've got two boys who are in the room, actually. Give them a wave. Zach and Ty, who are also big football fans. Um, and the way that I like to explain vision, strategy, tactics, I don't really share this with many people. I'm about to share it with hundreds of people. Um, one of my ambitions, one of my things in my vision for my future is one day I'd like to own a football club. It's just something I've always fancied doing. I figure I've got a fair amount of knowledge and understanding of how to run a business. I love football. I'd love to put those two together. Um, I'm an Aston Villa fan, by the way, before you wonder. Um, yeah, one Villa fan. Amazing. Thanks. Yes. Um, so... The way that I think about it is this. Let's say, for argument's sake, I bought Aston Villa. Let's say I did that. I would need to, with, along with the people that are the key leaders in that company, because it it's a business, essentially. First of all, we'd need to establish the vision. So let's say the vision for Aston Villa Football Club is to break into the Champions League places. Some of you are going... I know about football. That ain't happening. <laughs> Let's say the ambition, the vision is to break into the Champions League in the next five years would be a great vision. The strategy might be what are the key areas that we need to focus on in the business in order to move towards that vision? Maybe... There are certain weaknesses in the squad. We need to buy and sell players. Maybe we're not so good on the market in front and we need to get more people to come and buy tickets for games to drive more revenue so we can reinvest 
in more players. These are strategy pieces. And they might work on a season-to-season basis, maybe. So the vision would be five years, get into the Champions League. The strategy might be the next 12 months to two years, like how are we going to move towards that? What are our priorities? And then tactics are, right, we're playing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, I think, next weekend. I'm not confident. But the tactics would then be, right, which players are we going to pick for the next game? What positions are we going to put them in? What systems are we going to deploy in the game? Are we going to go man-to-man? Are we going to go zonal from corners? All of these different things. These are tactics. So apply that to business. So vision would be, what is your goal for the next maybe three, four, five years? And by the way, the, the degree to which you plan in the future sits alongside what phase of growth you're at. So I would recommend that if you're in phase one, your vision may only be a year or two out. If you're in phase two, it might be three or four years. If you're phase three, it might be five or 10 years. Even though we're phase four, if you want to call it that, I'm still, because I'm naturally a short-term thinker, the most my brain can comprehend is five years. So we do vision five years at a time. Hey, real quick, if you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to keep k-e-a-p and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey so to go and get a free demo all you need to do is go to keep.com that's k-e-a-p keep.com forward slash empire builders and by using that link I've negotiated the best possible deal for Empire Builders subscribers. So go to keep.com forward slash Empire Builders. You get a free demo. And when you go through that unique link, it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber to this podcast. So let's get back to the show. So vision, long-term, maybe two, three, four, five years, depending on what stage of growth you're at. In the case of the football team, it would be qualify for the Champions League in the next five years. Strategy would be buying and selling the players, marketing priorities, which in your business is, right, what are the things that you're going to focus on in the next year, two years maybe? So like Lisa's going to share later how she took one product and generated 3.5, 3.6 million over a relatively short period of time. That's a strategy that you could deploy. 
And then you've got the tactics, which is how do you build, um, how do you build your audience? Tracy shared some of that. How do you utilize social media platforms to connect like Ellie shared with you on LinkedIn? Tactics might be um, employing somebody to make calls to follow up on the inquiries. These are all detailed tactical things. So that at a high level are the three key parts of strategic planning. So now let's dive a level deeper. So within vision, vision is comprised of three elements, three parts. And by the way, this is just the way that I learned it. And now this is my interpretation of it. I'm sure there are other models, other ways in which you could apply this. This is just the way that I've done it. So take what you want from this. So for me, vision's comprised of three pieces. The first one is purpose. Purpose is why do you do what you do? Why does your business exist? What purpose does it serve in the world? So as is simply, we develop people. Everything that I do that we do within our group of companies is designed to fulfill our purpose, which is we develop people, whether that's running events, conferences like Expert Empires, whether that's delivering one-to-one -one coaching for members of our mastermind, whether it's bringing new members into our team to support the growth of the businesses. All of that serves the purpose called We Develop People. Why is that important to me? Because that's been a massive part of my life since I was 12 years of age. People development, personal development. So that's the purpose. Now, some of you are going, yes, I like the idea of the big why, the purpose, but how do I measure that shit? Some of you want to be able to measure it. And you should, which is why vision is way more than just the purpose. The second part of vision is mission. So the mission is the measurable journey that you're on in the next, as I said, could be two years if you're in phase one, could be three, four, five, even 10 years if you're phase two or three. So what's the measurable journey that you're on? And what I like to have with mission is three key numbers that you're tracking. So this is how you'll know year on year whether you're on track to fulfill the purpose. How do I know if we're fulfilling our purpose called We Develop People? There are three ways. Number one is annual revenue. Annual revenue is not the be-all and end-all. It's not the only measurement of success. But I think it's fair to assume that when our annual revenue increases year to year, the amount of people that we are developing will automatically be increasing year on year. So it's a good way to measure how well we're doing in regards to our purpose called We Develop People. So our first measurement is annual revenue. Our second measurement is number of tickets sold to our events. Well, we're an events company. So it makes sense that that would be a number worth tracking year on year. 
the more tickets we sell to our events, the more people we're developing. And the third number that we track year on year is number of clients. So the distinction would be somebody who attends an Expert Empires event, we kind of see you all as clients. That's a ticket purchased. And a client would be somebody that's enrolled in one of our higher-end mastermind group coaching programs. So those are our three numbers. Annual revenue, number of tickets sold, and number of clients. So we can measure year to year how we're doing in terms of fulfilling our purpose. We develop people. And I've got those three numbers mapped out for the 2021 version, the 2022 version, the 2023 version and the 2024 version will be working on the 25, 26, maybe 27 version in the next six to 12 months. So there's always a mission that we're working towards. The purpose never changes, but the mission that we're on does. Does this make some sense, yes or no? Great. And then the final piece of vision is values. So the values are the standards that you set for yourself, for your team. They're actually, for me, the vision as a whole, purpose, mission, values, is my go-to for decision-making. I get a lot of opportunities presented to me. I get a lot of people that want to partner with me. We get a lot of people who want to join our team. So I've got to have a way of filtering those opportunities and deciding what to say yes to and what to say no to. My filtering system is my vision. So I look at the vision, the purpose, the mission, the values, and I say, does this opportunity move me, move us closer or further away from that vision? Raise your hand if you are overwhelmed with opportunities, ideas, newfangled strategies, tactics, things that you want to do, could do, you think you should do. There's a lot of shit going down. Right, a lot of people. Having clarity of vision is the thing that will allow you to make good decisions. My coach has a saying, I'm probably going to butcher it. He says, the, cl the clearer the vision of today, I've already butchered it. I shouldn't use other people's quotes, really. <laughs> the clearer the vision of tomorrow, the easier it is to solve the problems of the today. Clearer the vision of tomorrow, or clearer the vision of the future, the easier it is to deal with the problems, the challenges of today, the now. So it's your, it's your guiding principles, if you like. Our values, I mean, we, we have our core values in every piece of literature. I never used to, by the way. I used to keep this stuff kind of in-house, secret, behind the scenes. And then we started to go, you know what? Like, we shouldn't really, like, be keeping our core values, the standards that we hold ourselves to secret. Because actually, the more we share them, the more we publicize them, it actually reinforces for us and our team the significance and we're more likely to operate in a way that's aligned. So we started publishing our core values in our mastermind brochure. We started publishing our core values in like the event program that you've got here for Expert Empires. They're on our website. They're on all our ba banners and branding. And what I thought, what I didn't realize at the time was I was actually making our marketing even more powerful. 
That wasn't the intention. The intention was just to really unapologetically say, here's who we are, here's what we're about. And of course, then make it more likely that we would behave, operate in a way that's aligned with those values. What I actually didn't realize, but what happened was I was creating a bloody brilliant marketing campaign because people see that and they go, oh, wow, I'm aligned to those values. I now want to attend an Expert Empires event. I now want to work with Nick and his team more closely. That wasn't the reason I did it in the first place, but it, it's been a nice outcome, a nice side benefit. So vision is purpose, mission, and values. Um, I'm going to show you an example, um, a real-life example. I'm going to show you our vision. Um, and again, until recently, I was quite reluctant to share publicly, like I've told you here, numbers, revenue numbers, our projection for growth year on year, how many tickets we want to sell, how many clients we want to serve year on year. I was reluctant to share. And that reluctancy to share, I think, came from a place of, like, if I tell people that's the vision, like, what if I don't achieve it? Oh, I look like an idiot. But by the way, that's just ego. But then I thought, well, hold on a minute. If I make a public declaration, this is the vision, surely that makes it more likely that I'm going to achieve it. Um, the second hindering thought I had about sharing our vision publicly was that, look, I don't know the perception that you have or don't have of me and our companies. Um, maybe we are bigger, more financially successful than you realize. Maybe we are smaller and less financially successful than you realize. It doesn't really matter. But I remember thinking to myself, I don't really want to share this publicly because what if somebody sees it and therefore decides, oh, Nick's vision isn't as big as mine or as good as mine. Therefore, he can't help me. We're not a good fit. Uh, and actually, I only shared this story recently. It was um, these guys sat a few rows back, Andy Pierce and Neil, who are the uh, founders of Me and My Golf. If you're a golfer, you've probably heard of them on YouTube. Give them a round of applause. Like, what are you at? Seven, eight hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube? Come on. It's going to be a big celebration when you hit the million. Can't wait. So, um, these guys uh, were considering working with me. And on the wall in my office is our vision. I like to have it visually displayed as a reminder for me, for the team. And before they came in for the meeting, and I already know that they've got a very successful business, I was in turmoil. I'm going, if they see that vision, those numbers, and they've already got a really successful business, they might look at it and go, well, our business isn't much different to Nick's in terms of size. Like, how can he help us? And they might not become clients. And then I thought to myself, what's worse? Them seeing behind the curtain not liking what they see, deciding not to work with us, or seeing behind the curtain later and feeling like they made a bad decision and then having remorse or regret. I went, the latter is certainly worse. And so they came into my office um, for our first meeting um, and we had a conversation about 30 minutes. They decided to enroll in my private client program, which is the highest tier of coaching that I offer. And afterwards, I asked them, 
what was the number one reason you decided to work with me? And they said, because we saw the vision on the wall in your office and realized we don't have that level of structure in our company. The thing I considered hiding was the thing that got me the sale. I'm wondering what truths you might be hiding from your audience because you're concerned of what they might think, which in actual fact might be the truth that just bring people even closer to you. So on that note, here's the vision. Um, I've got something on my heel here. Somebody, Ellie Mackay or Tracy, have you been chewing gum on my stage? Um, so here's the vision, real life example. Um, and by the way, it's a bit blurry on this screen. I tested it earlier, but I don't, I, I don't have another version of it. But I'm happy to walk you through it a little bit just to give you a sense. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're actually going to break into Q&A because th this topic, I'm giving you a high-level overview, but I know there'll be specific questions you've got about how it applies to your business based upon what industry you're in, the phase of growth you're in. So micro runners, be at the ready because we're going to workshop it in a minute. So here is our vision. And Tracy showed you hers, didn't she, earlier? Um, or a ver So a version of this is her version. Um, so... Again, more than happy to share this now. I've decided it's my truth. Like it or not, judge me or not, it's all good. So um, what we've got is purpose. I already told you, we develop people. Um, we've got our mission, which again, you can't really see on the screen, but it's to inspire and educate experts serving 600 high-level clients in 2024. And then you've got the year-on-year -year growth from 2020 through to 2024, our kind of five-year vision, um, which is uh, measuring revenue, sales, number of tickets sold, number of clients served. And um, again, I don't, see, I don't think you can see the numbers clearly, but it's essentially year-on-year uh, -year growth from like this year, projecting 4 million in revenue, um, 3,000 tickets sold, and 275 clients served, up to 2024, 10 million in revenue, uh, 5,000 tickets sold, and 600 clients served. So that's the measurement year to year. And look, um, raise your hand again if you've got a team, we've got other people that work with you in your business. So I think that this process is invaluable for everybody in this room. If you've got a team, I'm going to go a step further. It's not invaluable. It's critical. It's you cannot operate without it because they just won't know. I thought in 2013-14, I had clarity of vision, but it was all in here. It was like the best kept secret in the world. No one else knew about this vision. So actually documenting it was massive, sharing it with the team and those that have a team, involving them in this process, letting them, by the way, they created, my team decided that we were going to use build, famous buildings as like metaphor for our growth. So I'm a Brummie, born and bred in Birmingham. The, one of the most famous buildings in Birmingham is the Rotunda. Those from Birmingham or the West Midlands will know it well. Hey, a couple of people from the West Mids. Um, of course, the Shard, tallest building in London, I believe. Bit of a landmark now. Um, is the next one. And then we've got other buildings from all over the world that are significant landmarks. So you can come with, up with whatever metaphor you want. And, and I think it's really great to involve the team in it. I think you guys, you, your version of this is golf related, obviously. Um, we've got 
other people in Mastermind that have created their version of this using like a racetrack as a metaphor. The first version I ever saw of this, which was Infusionsoft's now keep, their vision was using climbing Mount Everest as the metaphor. And they started at base camp in whatever it was, 2008. And then they were getting year on year growth as they got to each station on the way up to the summit. So, and you go, well, why does all that shit really matter? The reason it matters is because A, you can get your team involved and they can feel then that this is their vision. Like, they don't really care about Nick's vision. But if they've contributed, if they've participated, if they've been part of this process, then they've bought in. What I always say is they weigh in to the conversation to create buy-in. They buy into the vision. And, you know, we've got our Sophia, our amazing designer, to make it look pretty. And, and now it, it's displayed all over our office. It's something that's in our focus day in, day out. And I'd like to think that it's looks more visually appealing and gets more attention than if it was just white posters with black ink. The key with it, this is the, for me the thing that's most important, is all the significant information that you could ever want to know or you need to know about our companies is on one sheet of paper. And I see people create these big vision documents that are 20, 30 pages long, which is great. You should have that. But that should be the more detailed version of this. This is the one page of the summary. Everybody in my team has studied this. We even did a little fun experiment and we actually surveyed, we tested them to see how much of the vision they could recall from memory. We didn't do that to like test them and it's wrong if they don't get it. It was to encourage them to focus on the vision so that they can become even more aligned with it. When they're focused on the vision, do you think they're more likely or less likely to operate day to day in ways that are aligned with our core values? What do you think, more or less? Way more. It's almost impossible now for them to behave or operate or for any of us to behave or operate in a way that's out of alignment with our core values because they're ingrained. So that's an example of the vision. Then we've got the next two pieces. Um, I knew this had happened. I thought this was a relatively short presentation. I was like, yeah, I'll have loads of time for q and I'm not going to have time for q and I might get time for one or two. So the next level down, once you've done vision, is strategy. And really, strategy is comprised, again, of a couple of key elements. The first one is priorities. So working out what are the main priorities for you right now. And I suggest that you do priorities. Do you remember on the framework I showed you earlier, we said your planning should be monthly in phase one, quarterly in phase two, annually in phase three. The priorities should be done monthly or quarterly or annually, depending on what phase you're in. So let's say you're in phase two. Your priorities would be revisited, redesigned once a quarter. And I suggest, again, feel free to go and do your own version of this. But I'm telling you from seven years of experience, and by the way, for the first few years, was mucking it up. Even though it worked, it was still, I was mucking it up a bit because I was testing the model, the framework. 
I'd suggest three priorities, maximum three. So in the same way that Aston Villa Football Club might have a priority called signing creative midfielders and forwards because we just sold Jack Grealish for 100 million quid, Lee Horwood rocking the Jack Grealish hairstyle. I like it. That might be a priority for the next three, six months. He's like, how do we replace that? That's a strategic priority. But you would only have maybe three priorities. So maybe a priority for you over the next three months, let's say you're in phase two, maybe a priority is to build a marketing machine that generates leads month in, month out. If you're in phase one, that's probably not a priority. If you're in phase one, a priority might be to create your package, your single focus package or product or service and create a written proposal, a brochure for it. So, for example, um, we've sent you out and we've put on your desks here um, our mastermind brochure. So maybe a priority for you might be, right, I need to get clarity of what my package is and then create some form of written proposal or brochure to support the sales process. That could be a priority. I'd suggest no more than three priorities because your brain, once it gets past three things, it gets overwhelmed. Like the way the brain, the human brain is wired, it goes one, two, three, many. It's like one, two, three, I can, I can get my head around all those three things at once, but more than that, I'm confused and overwhelmed. And then you won't do any of them very well. So three priorities. For each priority, we should also establish what are the evidence of success, what are the measurables, how do we know whether or not we've achieved that priority. It's a bit like if mission is the measurable journey to decide are we on track for our purpose, evidence of success is how we measure whether or not we've achieved our monthly or quarterly or annual priorities. And so they should be clearly measurable like numbers, which at the end of the month or the quarter of the year, you can say, did we achieve that number, yes or no? Or it might be delivery of a project. So like create and publish a brochure for your coaching program is an evidence of success in its own right. Because at the end of the quarter, let's say, you're either going to go, yes, I have it in my hands, or no, I don't. You either did or did not. So the evidence of success needs to be black and white. It needs to be, did you succeed with that priority? Yes or no. And I'd normally suggest that you probably have no more than three evidence of success for each priority. And then the final part of strategy is what we call SMARTs. So this is taken from smart goal setting. So you'd have a number of smarts or projects that contribute to that evidence of success and that contribute to those priorities. So let's say the priority was, I used an example earlier, to build a marketing machine. Evidence of success might be certain number of leads generated this quarter. It might be a certain amount of revenue that's been generated from that machine in the quarter. And evidence of success could be that we've tested at least X amount 
on Facebook ads or YouTube ads or whatever. These are evidence of success. Then the smarts are the projects. You might have a smart called YouTube ads. You might have a smart called Facebook ads. You might have a smart called revenue generation from funnel. Collect data from email follow-up sequence. These are like more detail. So that's strategy. And then you've got tactics. So tactics are... Essentially, they're checkpoints throughout the month or quarter or year. So milestones would be one. So like, let's say you've got a smart called Facebook ads because you've got an evidence of success called a certain number of leads generated in the quarter. The, the milestone might be, number one, um, recruit somebody to run Facebook ads. Or it might be take a course or it might be outsource it to an agency. The next thing might be, right, then we need to build the funnel that it's going to feed into. Then it might be test a certain amount of budget by a certain date. So the milestone should all have due dates against. And what that means, here's how all this works. Um, add, I can't see the timer. You can, there it is, thanks. What this means is, when you use this strategic planning process, and when you've got a well-formed strategic plan, here's where the magic is. All you need to do is make sure that you do what you said you would do. In other words, deliver on the milestones by the date. Because when you do that, and of course, that might be you, it might be your team, when you do that, you'll automatically hit your evidence of success. And when you hit your evidence of success, you're automatically succeeding in your monthly, quarterly, annual priorities. And when you succeed with your quarterly, monthly, annual priorities, you're on track for your mission this year, next year, the year after. And when you're on track for your mission year on year, you are fulfilling your purpose. Imagine if this will make some sense. This is how you create structure. A lot of you said that you've, you've not got the structure that you want in your business. This is how I do it. It's an adapted version of what I learned in 2014. Obviously, I've tested it and adapted it and tweaked it. Some of the things that we do now within this are specific to the expert industry. Like I said, the way that I learned it was probably a bit more broad and generic. So, like I said, um, I've probably got, I've got seven minutes and 46 seconds before we're going to lunch. Um, I know that this is uh, quite a complex subject and there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, I wanted to open it up for Q&A. This is where I find that the... Um, Sometimes the best stuff comes out. Um, and really, I want to make sure that you can take this and use it. Um, raise your hand if you know that by having a strategic plan that has those elements in it, you would have far greater results in your business. Raise your hand if you know that's true. Great. So, Mike Runner's ready. What questions have you got? What do you need to know in order to be able to go and implement that and do it? Um, so, gentlemen here, is that Matt? Yeah, it is. I can't see very well because of the lights. I thought it was you. Um, microphone on. Hello, yep. There yep. we go. 
Uh, yeah, thanks, Nick. Great, uh, great process. I just want to ask about the priorities because, as you, you said, you're looking for three maximum. Whereas mm -hmm. I can think of three probably in every single area of the P's that you talked about earlier. Great. So, so how do you get to the? So this, this is a great question, and this is why, if you think about it, we're going from the biggest chunk of information you could possibly imagine, your vision, which isn't even measurable, down to like minute detail. So the many things that you think of every day probably aren't priorities. What we need to do is we need to chunk your plan in an appropriate way. So like I said, a priority in your business is probably like, by the way, the, the, the eight key principles that I shared earlier, the eight Ps, they are probably not a bad place to start in terms of setting your priorities. It's not necessarily the way I do it. By the way, there's a whole process that sits behind this. We spend, as a company, um, two and a half days completely out of the business doing our annual planning. We spend a day and a half completely out of the business every quarter doing our planning. We spend half a day a month reviewing our progress on the plan. So we dedicate a lot of time and attention. So... Yeah, it's, it's not like you're um, doing this once and then kind of forget it. Part of the success of this is reviewing it regularly. So I think, Matt, for you, um, what's key is that you learn and develop the skill to be able to chunk your thinking appropriately. And like I said, the process that sits behind this, that we spend a day and a half a quarter, two and a half days a year doing... Make, it makes it much easier to chunk and ensures that the priorities that you select, the three are in fact the most pressing strategic issues in the business and not just things that you fancy doing. Good. Great question. Um, yes, I'm going to make it easy because this lady's on the same row. So, um, microphone's coming. So people can hear. What's your question? Uh, yes. Um, my question is, I, I, I have a lot of ideas in my mind at one point. I mean, every, every day. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that I can do them all equally well. Yeah. But the problem is, as you said, we, we, we should just focus on one idea at, yeah. at one time. Yeah. So how I can, uh, how, how you can help me eliminate the ideas that let are me, not... Let me give you a trick. Uh, yes, please. Which I've deployed with Thank great you. effect. Because, by the way, um, raise your hand if you have many ideas a day. You see, you're the only person with this problem. So, I have a lot of ideas too, but I've also got 22 other people that have ideas every day as well. It's a lot of fucking ideas. So, how do I harness that? Like, I've got 22 times the size of problem that you've got. Imagine that. Like, your brain's going to explode just thinking about it. So, what I've done is, well, we've, we've created within our companies a a culture, a habit of taking those ideas, those suggestions, and bringing them to the strategic planning meeting. Um, uh, my mum's husband, Tony V, is like, you have a lot of ideas. I challenge anybody to have the amount of ideas that Tony V has. He's an absolute ideas machine. And he knows he's got, he's got enough self-awareness to realize that's a problem and a pattern. So what he does is he literally, he's created an ideas box for himself. Whenever he has an idea, he writes it down. He pops it in the ideas box. And then when it's time to do planning, he breaks open the ideas box and puts all of that thinking into the process. 
and then you prioritize. And sometimes you've got to say no to shit. Sometimes you've got to put stuff on the back burner for the next. We've got things, ideas, opportunities in our businesses that my team, various members of my team have been banging on at me about for months, quarters, six, 12 months beyond. And we bring them to every planning meeting and we say, right, what are our biggest strategic issues right now? What are our priorities? And again, I've got a whole process that we go through that sits behind this to ensure that we get the right priorities and that they're chunked appropriately. And sometimes those things go on the back burner. But what we do through our process is we get agreement and alignment within our team so that we can have our plan for that quarter or for that year and all be aligned to it and all go for it. So even though you might not have 22 people, you've got a lot of ideas. You kind of want to take yourself through that process. Like Tony V's ideas box, we don't have an actual ideas box. Maybe we should have an actual ideas box. Um, but our team know that the time to bring ideas to the party is once a quarter when we do our planning. And we, and we give them the, the platform, we give them the opportunity to literally go, here's all the shit that we think we should be doing that we're not doing. Here's all the stuff that is most painful or problematic for us. Because by the way, I certainly don't know all of it. I have not got a clue about the detailed day-to-day -day running of the business because that's not my job. My job is to ensure that, we're, that I guide us on the journey to fulfill our vision. Does that make sense? Um, we'll do one more, one more question. Yes, let's go to this lady here in the middle. What's your name, please? Hi, it's Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Um, I'm one of the nutters with more businesses. Um, oh, nutter. <laughs> Absolute nutter. Go on. So we have a personal development business, corporate wellbeing, and a publishing company. So when you said about multiple businesses, do you find you focus on one business as a priority per quarter? Or great do you question. do all of this for all of the businesses all of the time? Nikki, that is such a great question. Because those of you that got multiple businesses, you might not have thought of that question. But it's a, I battled with this because we've got, um, well, now really, you know, we've, we've done acquisitions over time and we've got two key companies right now. It's about to be three. So what I battled with and debated at first was, do we have a strategic plan per business or do we have one for the group? And my decision was based upon the fact that our team of 22 and growing fast people in most cases work across all two, soon to be three businesses. So I said, it's going to be confusing for the team if they've got different visions, different plans for different companies. So effectively, our plan that we create each quarter, each year needs to cover all of our companies. Um, and I wouldn't have, like, in order for that to work, the, the different companies need to be aligned towards the same vision. And if they're not, then that might, there could be an argument. Let's say, hypothetically, you had two different companies, two different teams, they're in two different industries, I would have two separate plans. But we're one team working under the same roof with the same common goal. So one vision. And of course, there are elements. We wouldn't prioritize one business. We would prioritize, what we generally do is we prioritize a theme, and then within it, we'd have evidence of success and smarts relating to different businesses. So if we've got a priority around marketing, let's say, within that, 
we might have evidence of success for marketing an expert empires event. We might have an evidence of success for marketing um, our, uh, uh, Matt Elwell's book called Open With A Close, which you should all get a copy of, um, which is one of our separate companies, the Elite Closing Academy. But we have all of that within the same priority. Does that make sense, Nikki? Great, okay. And yeah, for those of you that have got multiple businesses, that would be my thinking, my rationale, as to, I think as soon as you've got more than one of these, it, get, it can get confusing, overwhelming for you as much as anybody else. As you can probably tell, like this is my bag. This is the thing that I love more than anything. It's the thing where I've got the greatest strength, I believe. I could talk about it all day. Um, and of course, you know, feel free to come and pick my brains and ask me questions about strategic planning. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms, and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect.